we put, I want to say $310,000 into it. And we just recently got it appraised for, for $1.5 million. Welcome, my friend, to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. And before we get into the show in today's episode, which I know you'll get a lot of value from because we're, we stay out of all the fluffy stuff and we get straight into the good stuff of real estate investing advice, I want to give a quick shout out to today's sponsor, and that's Patch of Land. Uh, they are making this show possible and they're making tons of flipping projects possible all across the country. If you don't know about Patch of Land, then they are the number one company to go to for uh, projects that you're flipping uh, because they have all the money available right now. Um, once you get approved for your your deal and yourself as a sponsor or a borrower, um, you're going to be funded by them. And then they go raise the money through their crowdfunding platform. So you don't have to worry about all that. They'll take care of the, the money and the funding for you. You just have to worry about making sure your project's, project's a success. Uh, they've got something really cool for you. So um, if you are just learning about crowdfunding, uh, they've come up with a guide. It's called the Top 10 Crowdfunding Questions Guide. And they're all the, the questions that you might be asking yourself. And they're all the answers. They don't leave you hanging. They've got answers too. All the answers to those, those 10 crowdfunding questions. So you can go to patchofland.com forward slash best ever and get that guide. Uh, and if you think you know everything about crowdfunding, I'd check this guide out just in case because there are some interesting aspects that you'll learn. So go to patchofland.com forward slash best ever and get that guide. Hi, Best Ever listeners. Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless, and I'm here with today's guest, Ryan Dunnigan. How you doing, Ryan? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, Joe. Yeah, nice to have you on the show. Ryan is a fellow syndicator. He syndicated 188 units and manages another 29 units for a third party. And if you don't know what syndication is, then basically he's raising money with investors and sharing in the profits. And he's doing it with apartment buildings in Arizona. He's based in San Diego, California, a place that I haven't been yet, but uh, we were talking a little bit before we started recording, and that's a place I plan on going for Coachella this April. I think it's in April. And doing some scuba diving, too, over there. So I'm looking forward to perhaps meeting you in person, Ryan, and also learning more about real estate investing on during today's conversation from you. One interesting fact about Ryan that is non-real estate related, and then we'll get straight into the real estate stuff. He went to school at Colorado State for snowboarding, and he's a huge snowboarder and does it all the time in San Diego right now, right? That's right. Mountains quite aren't as big in San Diego, but uh, make it up to Mammoth and Lake Tahoe every chance they get. There you go. Well, Ryan, with that being said, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on now? Yeah, no, absolutely. And thanks again for having me. Uh, it's a pleasure to share what I can with everybody. My background is after undergraduate, I went and essentially worked on Wall Street, but in the Midwest in Wisconsin and, and did that for, for four years and enjoyed it. But 
wasn't my true true passion, true calling in life. So I went back to school and then and then started doing investment sales for a, a major national brokerage. So selling office buildings and industrial buildings and lab buildings, primarily in in San Diego. And that was good for a while, but on the side I began my own real estate investing, trying to find the elusive passive income to free myself from the, the shackles of the man. And eventually did, you know, I did a couple deals in, in Denver, Colorado, where, you know, this was in 2009, 2010, when you could buy a, a house, you know, 1950s era house, 700 square feet for $50,000 with a construction loan. And, and you put 20 into it and all of a sudden you get a tenant in there and it appraises for 110 and you get all your money back. And, and so I got the bug at that point and did that four or five times. And, and then the market in Denver appreciated pretty rapidly, although not quite as much as it's doing right now. And started from scratch and looking around again. And here I was in Southern California. And it's, it's very difficult to find anything that, that cash flows in, in San Diego if, if you're going to put some sort of leverage on it. So I began looking around and, and wanted something within a half a day's drive at the most. And so I narrowed it down to Phoenix and, and Las Vegas and opted for, for Phoenix and began began the, doing the thing out in the, in the desert, sweating it out and did a couple, actually started out flipping a couple houses and, and was not successful doing that, but kind of keyed in on, on some duplexes and fourplexes and began buying those when they were undervalued and, and fixing them up and essentially refinancing them once we could rent them out at, at higher prices. And once I ran out of my own money, which was pretty quickly, learned the syndication thing and got educated about that. And then I went full speed ahead and, and started setting my sights on, on a little bit bigger buildings, anywhere from, from four units. Our biggest property is 42 units. So over the past three to four years, I've been focused on that, and I, I began doing that on nights and weekends, and and finally left the full time job about a year and a half ago to to focus on it exclusively. And you know we, we you know when you're an out of state investor from California, particularly, your property manager plays a key role in the performance of your of your assets, and began to see that it wasn't working. Went through three or four property managers and. Decided, um, you know, if I'm a steward of somebody else's money and capital, I'm going to make sure that everything goes as well as I can possibly have control over. So I partnered up with a, with a friend of mine and, and we got our broker license. And now he, he does all the property management. We essentially self-manage. He's bilingual and does a great job. Can trust him implicitly. So we've essentially partnered up, and I handle the investment side of the of the business. He handles the property management side of the business. And like you said, we're we're approaching 200 units and doing very well for ourselves and and our our partners and and our investors and and having a good time doing it and and looking forward to doing some more. There are so many different ways we could take our conversation today, and we're we're limited by time. So I'm going to choose to take our conversation in a way that I think a lot of the best ever listeners will will identify with or want to identify with, and that is the syndication route. And perhaps we at the very end, we can get into some of those flips that weren't successful, but I want to make sure we have time to talk about the syndication. So with these four to 42 unit properties that you've done in the last three to four years in Phoenix, what type of deal structure do you have with your investors? 
Every deal is is a little bit different, but I would say by and large, I will go out and find the deal. Uh, I've created a, a network with brokers and contractors, and and oftentimes I'll have a chance at at putting in an offer for a property before it hits the market, and we can get into that a little bit if if you like. But developed a relationship with such some of the brokers where they're now equity partners on these deals. So they'll go ahead and they'll they'll throw the commission in on the deal that they like. And you know I think that works. That's a win win for everybody. They're on the the lookout for some of the better deals out there and they know that they could possibly be an owner if they bring them to me and we go in on it together. So that's kind of a little tangent, but generally I'll anywhere from five to 25% of the equity, depending on what kind of cash flow that, that the property can return is generally what I'll ask for. And in return for that, it's sourcing the deal. It's, it's arranging the financing about half the time I'll sign a personal guarantee for the, for the financing. And then it's asset managing the property. A lot of times we do a lot of value add to these apartment buildings and it's, it, you know, it's nothing too major. You know, sometimes we'll add a bedroom, we'll add a bathroom. Sometimes it's just flooring. Sometimes it's adding a washer and a dryer, but generally we like to bump the rents at least 20 to 30% from when we buy it. And then again, I'll manage the asset manage all the quarterly distributions. Uh, if there's a refinance, do that. If there's a sale, which there has not been yet, more buy and hold, would manage that as well. And everybody's been pretty happy with the structure way that it's been the way that it's been set up. And when I talk to them, I bake all those fees, all the equity into it so they see the bottom line and they know what to expect. When you say you take five to twenty five percent of the equity to do all of those things. Are there any other fees like acquisition or disposition? I mean, you said you haven't sold anything yet, but asset management, property management, any other fees that you, you charge? Yeah. Yeah. Generally there'll be a, an asset management fee, which can range from two to 10% of the net operating income. So it's not based upon revenue. It also bakes in the expenses so that every that I'm incentivized, everybody's incentivized to keep the income as high as possible. But I try to make that a, a nominal fee. I don't want to come across as as feeing my investors to death. So I, I you know I, I took a look at what the market uh, would charge in terms of being in a syndication, and I and I knocked that down a, a little bit. And, still consider myself early on in the phase of my career and want to get a, a good track record. And, and really, it's developing the relationships and, and growing with people over time. So I don't want the fees to, to get in the way of anybody doing a deal with me. But generally, that, that would be the, the structure. It'd be a little bit of equity up front, a little bit on the asset management as we go, and then a little bit on the back end. And as far as the property management, formed our own property management company, but that's just charged a market rate, and a lot of that goes to my partner. Okay. And so there's no acquisition fee? No, no. Essentially, you could call it that, but essentially the 5 to 25% equity up front encompasses the acquisition. And are you putting your own money in the deals? On some of them, I will put my own money in. On some of them, I won't put my money in. It, just, it really depends on, on the deal. But I, investors like to see that you've got some skin in the game. So most of the time, most of the time I do. For the deals that you didn't put your own money in, how did you raise the money even though you didn't have your own money in the deal? Really because it was a, it was a phenomenal off-market deal 
where the return was, was so high that, you know, I brought it to a, a good investor that's done well with me in the past. And I just proposed it to them. They were happy with the performance. They trusted me. They were happy that I brought the deal to them because they, you know, otherwise wouldn't have had access to that. And they were more than happy to put up essentially all the capital. And then we did an ownership split from, from that point. And he's been thrilled with it and, and would, would do it again. The upfront costs that are associated with syndicating a deal, like the due diligence, the attorney fees, the legal paperwork, is that something that you take on or is that something that the investor does or is there some sort of split? And if you take it on, is it reimbursed at closing? Yeah, generally I will take it on front all of the costs and you named you named the big ones. Uh, also, the earnest money deposits, probably the biggest. Uh, and in the past, for me, you know, those have ranged, you know, all in anywhere from five to, I want to say, $50,000. And so that's part of what I offer to the investors is everything, you know, the deal is essentially packaged up and, and ready to go. So I bear that cost. And then once we do close, I bake that into the equity raise and then just, just reimburse myself after we close. And then the risk that you're taking on is if you don't close, then you won't be reimbursed with all of it with the exception of the earnest money, which you should get back. Right, right. And and generally, by the time that the deal goes non-refundable, when my earnest money is at risk, I, I have a pretty good idea. You know, Generally, I've developed the relationships with the investors in advance, not scrambling at the very end. So they have a, they have a general idea of what deals that we're looking for. And 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 most of them are are ready to go, so it's not it's it's a pretty easy call at the point where the deposit goes non-refundable. And generally, I like to structure the the escrow of at least forty-five days. You know, maybe maybe forty-five days to go non-refundable, and then have a have a sixty-day close total, sixty to ninety-day total time frame. And as far as the paperwork, we briefly touched on it, but the, as far as the paperwork that's required with your agreement with the investors, what do you put in place? Well, I've actually got a real estate attorney, and so you know you, you don't want to mess around with the SEC and, and all the blue sky laws. So I, I do have a attorney that drafts the private placement offerandum. I've got a, a memo that I put together with all the finances. We've got the operating agreement. And then you've got to register with each state when you know a little bit further from each investor has to let you know their address. You find out their state and then you have to file with that state about your investment. So there's quite a bit that, that is encompassed in all the legal documents. And I'm not smart enough to take that on. So I'll, I'll outsource that. And, and I've got a, a real estate attorney that does a great job with it. And what does that typically cost or what are the ranges and what are the time frames that that takes? Oh gosh. You know, on the the last deal just for the sake of size, it was it was about a million dollar purchase price for 16 units and I think the legal fees on there were $7500 and the time frame she worked within I was very upfront with her and said this is the purchase and sale agreement we've got this much time and so is she could essentially allocate her time to get it done. But it's a lot of communication and you're essentially a liaison between the investors, the real estate attorney, the broker, and yourself. So they can move they can move just about as quickly as, as you can. 
and even with the registering of with each state that the investors that the investor is from, does it vary state by state? Or is it one registration and you essentially just need to register and then you're done? Every state has its own registration. And so that's why these attorneys are familiar with all the forms and which form is needed by which state. And they all they all require a different fee. I think they're as low as, as $40 in some states. And I believe Texas is one of the higher ones. I believe it's around $600. And these are one-time fees, but but you need to make sure that they're filed. They're filed in advance of closing and, and all your, your T's are crossed and your I's are dotted. Let's talk about the investor network and how you're raising money because a lot of people who want to get in syndication, they think, well, I just don't have the network of people to raise money. I mean, we've all got to start from somewhere and you've clearly had a tremendous amount of success with the investors and putting deals together. So how much money in total would you say you've raised from investors to date? Gosh, that's a good question. I should probably keep better tabs on that. But looking back over the last five years, I would say it's in the three to three to four million dollar range of, of equity. And roughly how many investors would you say that spreads across? Some deals have one investor, and I think the largest has 15. And uh, so if you, if you totaled it all up, I, I would say it's probably about 40 to 45 investors. So 40 to 45 investors, about 4 million. And how did you get to have that network? Did you, how, well, let, let me ask this. When, because that is what I was doing quick math, that's about 88,000. I just did 40. Four million divided by forty-five people. I think that's eighty-eight thousand. So about eighty-eight thousand on average per investor. And I know it varies greatly. I'm sure, at least if it's anything like mine, it varies greatly. But how did you begin to build that network with your first deal? And then where did you see it go from after your first deal to where you're at now? You know, a lot of it was just talking to to friends and family when I was doing doing everything for myself. You know, they were interested. It piqued some interest in, in a lot of my close circle of friends and family, and and it was successful. You know, and part a lot of that was timing. It was when the market took a big dive, to to put it mildly, and we've managed it well since then, and have kind of fine tuned the process. But you know, I I sought education. I, I know you've had Jay Massey on your podcast before with his cash flow diary. So quite involved with him and his teachings and. You know, it's really just, you know, do people trust you? Are you going to do what you say you're going to do? A lot of times I'll underpromise and I try like heck to, to over deliver. So we've just had some, some early success and have been able to, to build upon that. And so that core group of investors, um, you know, over the course of five years when things are, are going well, you know, they'll talk to their, their friend or, or their, their relative and gradually, you know, I've been able to develop relationships with, with that next outer circle. How many people invested in your first deal? Three. Three. And how did you know them? Uh, you don't have to tell me who they are, but what networks were they part of? I had a, uh, a coworker and I had a good childhood friend and then I had my father. Okay. And what about your next deal? How many people? You know, the second deal we went to... I think there's about eight in the next deal. And that's when I kind of 
you know, took to my email account and, <laughs> and I put together a pretty little package and, uh, you know, I essentially let everybody know, Hey, this is what I've been doing and this is the track record. And, and I've got another deal that's similar to that and love to sit down and talk with you if you have some interest. And, and, you know, my goal here is to increase your passive income, my passive income, we can do this together and, and it gives you a nice alternative to, to some of the other investments opens up some more doors for you and and um and we just kind of so i sat down with more and more people and it grew from there how much money did you raise on your first deal with your coworker, your good childhood friend and your dad i want to say that was a that was about a three hundred thousand dollar equity raise okay and how much was the second deal do you remember that was a five four fifty to five hundred thousand in equity okay and what was the first deal? The first deal, it was a nice little deal. It was essentially a house in the front and 11 units in the back. So it was sold as three separate fourplexes. And this was in 2010 when we bought them for, I believe it was around $35,000 a door. And um, it was owned by a landscaper who he was proud of the fact that he had never had a plumber or an electrician on his property in the last 15 years. So it needed a lot of work. He, he stopped paying his, his mortgage maybe a year before we bought it. So a lot of deferred maintenance. And, um, and that was our, so we just, we just kind of jumped in with those 12 units and we got in a little over our heads and, you know, th- there was more deferred maintenance than, than we thought. Uh, we had a tough time finding a property manager. We were just, I remember sitting with my friend in his truck, just staring at the place, thinking, uh, "We've got a good insurance policy. Do we do we burn it down <laughs> or do we, do we do we stick this thing out?" So, so that's when we were hoping to get rents in the four hundred and fifty dollar range. And now, now uh, you know, we got creative. We added some patios, and the market's gone in the right direction. And, and now we're up around seven hundred dollars a month in rent. And you know, the, the cash on cash is in that low twenty percent. You know, year in year out, got a good handle on it now. And so it was a great it was a great property to learn on and we definitely did that. And then with the second deal, how many units was the second one? I got a little more aggressive on the on the second one, emboldened by a little bit of success and we bought uh it was 30 units, not too far away. The the neighborhood wasn't quite as nice, but so it was 30 units, it was probably 40% occupied. And we decided that we wanted to try to do a, a full renovation. So, so we bought it with a, with a construction loan and, and it took us 60 days to vacate the property. And, and so we did that and soup to nuts, you know, new roof, all, you know, 30 new air conditioners and new flooring. We put in new appliances, you know, new plumbing, asphalt on the, on the parking lot. You know, it took us, it took us a good three months to do it. And it took us another probably 75 days to lease it back up before we refinanced it with a permanent loan. But that one, that one went pretty well, and that's probably one of one of the best deals that we've done. And that was that was about two and a half years ago. How much did you buy it for? How much did you put in? And what would you say it's worth now? We bought it for seven hundred thousand dollars, which I think works out to about twenty three thousand dollars a door. We put. Three hundred and I want to say three hundred and ten thousand dollars into it, and we just recently got it appraised for for one point five million. 
So we were able to essentially to bump the rents from from 500 on average. You know, when I say the rents, there were just a few of them when we bought it. So to bump it up, we're now fully <laughs> occupied. And I think the average rental right there is in the high $600 range. So it's gone well. Congratulations on that one. Thank you. All right, my friend. What is your best real estate investing advice ever? You know, I think it's just to get educated and take action. You know, I, I sat on the sidelines, on the fence, doing the corporate job and wanting to do this. And, you know, some of the best investing time in our lives passed me by for for a little while. So I'd say it's just, you know, do your homework, get investing and go for it and kind of learn learn on the job. That's the only way you're going to do it. And I'm going to ask one more question. I know we're running short on time, but I, I just you've got such a good story and there's so much to talk about. I, I definitely love to have you on another episode called Situation Saturday, where we put you in a situation where you have to find a deal in a market and you talk about the the broker as equity partners and finding deals before they hit the market. Uh, would that be something you'd want to do? Absolutely. Let's do it. Okay. Yeah, we'll do that on Situation Saturday. So we'll stay away from that right now. But what I'd love to ask just as one more follow-up question is when you have investors and you've got 40, 40 to 45 investors in all of your deals, what advice would you give to someone who's looking to start with syndication and bring in investors? And specifically, what would you tell them they should do to start building that investor network? Well, the first thing I'd say, you know, be very careful with your own money. Be even more careful with somebody else's money. I mean, it's just an awesome responsibility that they're entrusting you. So do your homework, do everything. You know, there's a lot of things that you can't control in, in real estate. But what you can control, make sure that you do it. Do your homework on the market. Do your homework. Have a very well thought out business plan. You know, this is people's savings that they're entrusting you with. So so make sure that you do what you can do to first preserve it and then and then grow it. But, you know, generally what I what I like, to, I look at everybody as a as a possible partner, as a possible investor. You just never know where your next deal is going to come from or you just never know who they know. So, you know, I look at everybody as as a partner one way or the other. You know, you give everybody the respect that they deserve. And, and a lot of times it comes back. But that's generally what I, I, you know, I look like I'm always networking in one fashion or another just because you just never know, Joe. All right. Well, you ready for the best ever lightning round? Let's do it. Okay. We got to go through this really quickly. First, a quick word from our best ever partners. Crowdfunding. You've heard about it. Now it's time for you to learn about it. Our best ever sponsor today, Patch of Land, they're the leading expert in the crowdfunding space, and they've got all the answers to all of your crowdfunding questions. Go to patchofland.com forward slash best ever and get your copy of the top 10 answers to the top 10 crowdfunding questions. That's P-A-T-C-H-O-F-L-A-N-D.com forward slash best ever. I'm going to switch up the best ever lightning round because there's still more questions I want to ask you about stuff. So I'm just going to ad lib some things. Are you okay with that? I studied. I had all my answers down. You're throwing me a curveball. Yeah, throw it away, baby. Let's do it. Yeah. And so even though this, this I'm ad-libbing, there's still lightning round, so we got to have quick answers. Best ever networks that you're personally a part of? I'd say the one that I 
created myself with friends and family. I know a lot of people don't like to invest with friends and family, but my personal motto is let's let's increase that passive income so you can do whatever you want to with it. And I want to be able to do fun things with my friends and family, so let's all do this together. So what do you do exactly? Like what do you and by friends and family you mean just the the people the well I know what you mean by family obviously, but <laughs> the friends is that just friends that you hang out with and just do things that you all enjoy together? Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of that. You know, I've I've maintained a close network of my high school friends, of my college friends, of the guys that I play soccer with, of my you know, I went and got my MBA, so my grad school buddies, you name it. Anybody that I like to like to hang around with, like to bring them along for the ride if they're willing to go. So uh, it kind of runs the gamut. And, you know, I'm 38 years old, so it runs back 30 years. You know, I think that, you know, one of my investors I've known since I was since I was two. So, you know, I just cast a wide net and, and make sure that our interests align and our goals align before you do anything. And if and if that works, then and they're on board and, and you can look them in the eye and say you're going to do the best job that you possibly can and you lay out the risks for them and long as everybody's on board then then i say go for it best ever deal you've done you know i think i'd hark back to the 30 unit that i told you about when prices were about half of what they are now and we got some nice returns out of that so i'd say that that 30 unit deal best ever way you like to give back you know i i really think it's an alternative as a way for people to to grow their wealth i think I think you'd agree, and, and most of your listeners would agree, that, that real estate is just a powerful vehicle for, for wealth if, if handled properly. And a lot of people just don't have access to direct ownership in real estate. And if you can if you can help them with that, I know it's a small thing, but over time, it's a very powerful thing. So I would say just giving access to people for something that they wouldn't otherwise have access to. What's the best ever project you're most excited about right now? You know, I go back to helping people increase their passive income so that they can do what they want to do with with their lives. And what's the biggest mistake you've made in real estate? I'd say buying a property in an area that I didn't fully understand, uh, that I wasn't educated about, and it looked good on paper, and and I went for it, and that was a it was a mistake. I I didn't have a contingency plan, and. When one chain in the in the fence broke down, the the whole fence fell over. So I, I learned from that and don't I tried to have more of a laser focused strategy and thought out process to, to what I do, but but that was um, that was painful. And what's the best ever place to reach you, Ryan? Uh, we, we were talking. I, I'm not uh, sophisticated. I don't have a website, but my email, which is Ryan R Y A N at Desert Value partners.com and I'm, I'm also on LinkedIn. Well, Ryan, I just love this conversation. One of my favorite conversations since doing the show because you're doing syndication and you've got the track record um, and you started slow. Well, I say started slow. You started smaller and then you're progressively moving up and building uh, just uh, amazing network of investors and relationships and you know from from all intents and purposes it sounds like you've you're starting with the heart you know talking about what things you're you're most you know interested in and excited about and that is helping investors you know get that passive income i love learning about how you structure the deals where you take five to twenty five percent of equity depending on the deal you don't do an acquisition fee but you do an asset management fee that ranges 2% to 10% of the NOI. Really interesting that you do 
to the 10% of the NOI versus the income that you can you you might find with with other syndicators and then learning about how you haven't sold a property which I find fascinating in the syndication process because typically you'll find that the people who syndicate deals do you know a 2 to 5 to maybe a 7 year hold uh, and I know in some cases it hasn't been 7 years but then they'll take that property or take the money and the proceeds from it and then do another deal and either do a 1031 or cash their investors out and, and have a case study and for others to look at. I mean, it sounds like you're, you're living and breathing the case studies right now, which is really interesting. And then building your investor network. I mean, you've raised three to four million estimated in the last, how many years has it been? Five? Yeah, it's, it's about five. About five years and you've got 40 to 45 investors. I mean, hearing you talk about the different networks that you're part of, and how you make a, a conscious effort to stay in touch with people from high school, people where you got your MBA, soccer, family, friends. It's interesting. I, I get the question, well, you know, how do I raise money? Well, you start by building relationships and friendships. And you mentioned Jay Massey's been on the show and he talked a lot about that. That's my approach too. first thing I did when I moved to Cincinnati was just join softball team and start a meetup group and just you know constantly stay in touch with people who I'm already staying in touch with. So really wonderful having you on the show. We will definitely have you back for Situation Saturday. Uh, until then, I hope you have a wonderful day. Thanks so much for being on the show, and I'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Joe. I appreciate it. This is my first podcast, and uh, thank you for being gentle and you know real confidence boost. I, I appreciate it. Oh, awesome. Well, I've been told from other people that I have really hard interviews, so I appreciate you saying that I was gentle. So maybe maybe I'll come up with more challenging questions for you on the next one. Yeah, throw some fastballs around the chin. Awesome. All right. Talk to you soon. Thanks, Joe.